The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Last week on Power of the Word. And the Bible gives us a lot of guidelines for worship. It tells us to lift up holy hands in the sanctuary without wrath and doubting. It tells us to bow our knee before God. Come that way. It tells us to come humbly. You know, there's lots of forms that worship takes. It tells us to sing in worship to God. So it's not what you choose or how you choose to worship. It's what He will accept and honor from you. So worship is on His terms. And so we come, yes, He allows you to be an individual. Yes, He allows you lots of expressive ways to come to Him, sure. He's not a legalist. He gives you freedom and all that. But you still have to come within the parameters of the Word of God. Words are powerful. In fact, the course for your life is set into motion through your words. In this dynamic book, Dr. King shares the importance of controlling the words you speak. You'll learn how to apply faith through what you say, control your words, thoughts, and attitudes, overcome your problems by declaring the truth of Scripture, and create an atmosphere of faith in your life. To get your copy of Speaking Faith-Filled Words by Dr. Ed King for only $14, visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 1-800-956-4433. Set the path for your life today by speaking faith-filled words. So when you give God praise and you give God worship, He sets ambushments against your enemy. You need a breakthrough? Worship. You need a breakthrough? Praise. You say, well, that's too easy. Well, it may be too easy, but it's certainly in the Bible. God didn't put these stories in here for us to just have space filler, just to put some ink on some paper. He put these stories in here to guide and direct our life. So we can look to these stories and we can see what to do when we need to know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? First thing is praise and worship. <laughs> then you'll begin to know what to do. That's exactly what happened there. Send out the singers? Oh, doesn't seem logical to me, but it worked. Psalm 22, 3, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Prayer is when we approach God. Praise is when He approaches us. Prayer we go to God. Praise, He comes to us. He inhabits our praise. He sets up residence with you. He inhabits your praise. Psalms 95 and 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker 
Amen. I'm reminded of the story of uh, Jericho. And uh, <laughs> Jericho was a mighty fortress of a city. I've been to Jericho, and the remains there, the archaeological remains, verify this very story. The walls, they said they could run seven chariots abreast on the top of the walls. That's how wide and thick the walls were. And the Bible says that those walls and archaeological digs prove it, that the walls did not fall over. The walls fell on themselves straight down. And that's what it said would happen. And it said that they were to march around the city for seven days. And each day they marched around one time and they couldn't talk. That was the instruction of the Lord, you can't talk. If they could talk, it would have messed it up. God asked, we need to learn the vocabulary of silence. Just don't say anything. But anyway, on the seventh day, they marched around seven times and they blew the trumpet. Remember, I told you what happened here in the house. They blew the trumpet and the people shouted. Now, shouting is a type of praise. It's one of those things that we see in the Bible. And it's not just people being loud. Shout unto God with the voice of of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. A shout is a praise because it's a victory celebration for the people of God. It demonstrates Satan's defeat and it proclaims our victory over him, over our enemies. So a shout is important. And so uh, we find in verse number 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. I'm talking about atmospheres where God moves. I'm talking about atmospheres where things can happen. He could in Nazareth do no mighty work because of their unbelief, but he did something here. You change the atmosphere, you'll change the results. You say, well, I don't know if we'll ever have the walls fall down. You maybe don't need the walls to fall down. God's not, you know, he's not your tap dancing duck. He didn't just perform on command. But he's still God and he's a delivering God. And whatever it takes to get you out of the mess is he's more than capable to get it to you. However it shows up, by few or by many, it doesn't make any difference how he does it. He'll do it. My God, he'll do it again. Mm -hmm. You give him the conditions. You prepare the atmosphere, and you're going to get a manifestation of God. That's just the way it works. So the children of Israel won a great battle when they praised the Lord with a shout. Psalms 29, verse number 1. Give unto the Lord, ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of of holiness. So what he's talking about here is giving worship unto the Lord. Amen. I said, amen. amen. We see in Psalms 34, one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my heart. What? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, you can say, well, I've got a praise in my heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you've got a praise in your heart, it's going to eventually get out the mouth. Mm -hmm. And so we praise God like Paul, Silas, 
in the prison. They vocally praised the Lord, and the prison shook with a heaven-sent earthquake, and their bonds were released. The things that bound them could bind them no more because of an atmosphere of praise, an atmosphere of worship that allowed the present. God's for you to begin with. He's not against you. He's not trying to hold out on you. All you got to do is give him an atmosphere. Amen. Are you home today? We find in Psalms uh, 145, verse 21, it says, My mouth, everybody say mouth, mouth, shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. So our mouth speaks praise unto the Lord. So we put a praise in our mouth. We find in Psalms 119, one, verse 171, it says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. And so our mouth becomes a vessel, a vehicle of praise to the Lord. Your mouth is so important in your whole Christian existence, in your whole Christian, well, not just your Christian existence, your human existence. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So when you were lost, you had to confess your way into the kingdom. What you say is what you get. Lost or saved. Amen. So your mouth is not primarily for communication. We talk to one another. That's a part of it. But our mouth is primarily for releasing our spiritual faith. In the beginning, God said... Let there be light, and there was light. The mouth primarily was the creative force of God. It's yours as well. You want to be healed? You got to say it. You remember Jesus came to people? He said, well, what can I do for you? Oh, you know, I, I need my sight. See, they had to say that. Well, I'll just take whatever you want to give me. Well, they wouldn't have got anything. You got to say what you want. If you can't say what you want, you don't know what you want, and you can't use your faith on it anyway. You got to know what you want. You got to say what you want. If you can't say it, you can't get it. Speak to the mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall obey you. If you believe what you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Didn't say if you believe what you think. Or you believe what you feel. Thinking and feeling is not a release of faith. Saying. If you believe it in your heart. That's the way it works. You can believe it, you can believe it in your heart and not say it and not get it. You got to say it. Everybody say you got to say it. Look at your neighbor and say you got to say it. You need a new car? I'm not, that wasn't, you didn't have to say that part. <laughs> well, you got to say, Lord, I need a new car. Okay. Command it to come to you. Oh, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. I can do that. <laughs> Believe me, I can do that. You need to get out of debt? Tell debt to go in Jesus' name. 
Well, I don't know about it. Well, okay. I could tell you a story. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I could tell you a story that if I told you, you wouldn't believe me if I told you this story. Now, you believe me because you believe me. But you'd think I've been drinking something. You remember that Jack and Coke thing I was talking about? Well, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you this story because I'm telling you the truth. It happened, but it happened. It happened to us. And I have never seen anything to beat it in my life. But I've led you into it, haven't I? Well, I'm not telling you, so don't try to get me to. Okay. Now, the reason that I did not receive the offering is because we see this worship thing through Scripture. And I could give you, if I gave every Scripture I give you, I could give you times 10. It, it's just full. And there are different forms of worship. They take on many forms. I mean, again, like I said, lift up the holy hands without wrath and doubting. Bow your knee to the Lord. Sing your worship to the Lord. There's so many forms that worship takes. Worship in truth, according to the truth. But one of the forms that worship takes is our giving. Now, we, and, and I, want you to, I want you to hear what I'm saying here, because this is, this is the very, very, very true, what I'm saying. We didn't put this offering, I didn't put this offering off to the end, so the offering would be bigger. Got nothing to do with it. I'm too smart to do anything that I do for money. I'm way too smart for that. That's not the goal here. So just throw that one out the window. The reason that I saved the offering to the end after I preach this is because I want you to be aware of what you're doing. Really, genuinely aware instead of going through a religious activity. Amen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. When you partner with Power of the Word, you are sharing that same love and making a real difference in the lives of hopeless and hurting people. Through our television ministry, we have the potential to reach millions of households across the world with the powerful messages of Jesus Christ. Your giving, your partnership brings that anointing into your life. That's what Paul said. He said, grace on me gets on you. Help us continue to spread the gift of Jesus with your gift today. To give, go to poweroftheword.com. Call us at 800-956-4433 or text the word GIVE to 865-978-6380. Partner with Power of the Word and help us change lives. Let me read you a couple of scriptures here. You look over here in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11. Now, this, you know, we, we talk about, you know, we sing the song about we three kings. Well, we don't know how many kings there were. They've, they've reduced it down or they've supposed there were three kings because there were three types of gifts that were bought, brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they said there were three kings, one with each. It doesn't say that. There might have been 35 kings. But the three main gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And they came in a caravan. They weren't out traveling the countryside alone with no protection. There were hundreds that came in that entourage protecting these wealthy men coming to Jesus. So this was not a small deal. All right? Are you here? And you see in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11, when they came into the house, now these are these kings that brought these gifts. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Everybody say worshiped. I'm talking about environments, atmospheres where God moves. An atmosphere, an environment of worship. Do you remember that these men were warned of God to not go back the way they came or they'd been killed? That worshipful attitude saved their life. Well, it might have happened anyway. Well, I don't know if it happened anyway. I don't know. But a worshipful attitude caused the presence of God to come and warn them that there was danger and they could have lost their life. Remember that story? I don't have time to do that whole story. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gold, gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So they brought this treasure, Scripture, that's the word, treasure. They didn't bring, you know, a couple of, you know, copper pennies. Now, I'm not minimizing the smallness of an offering, but I'm talking about this was a treasure brought to king of kings. See, they were kings. He's the king of kings. And they recognized that. And they brought it to him in worship. See, worship is an exchange between heaven and earth. It's a place where we do the business of God in our lives. It's the place I go to the one who's greater than I am to get for me what I can't get for me. I can't save me. I need a Savior. I can't heal me. I need a healer. What you can't do for you, He has the capability. And worship is when we go into this exchange relationship. That's what the altar is about. Moses, holy ground, burning bush, take your shoes off. Remember that? What did he do? He built an altar to remember. It's just a pile of rocks. It wasn't elaborate. They didn't bring an architect out. He piled up a pile of rocks to remember and commemorate what God and he had exchanged. The altar is where we exchange. It's where when we bring ourselves and present ourselves and invoke of him what we can't do. You don't have the power to do it. But you're connected to one who can. What do you need? <laughs> you mean anything's more powerful than him? I don't reckon so. He'll steal the mouth of the avenger. You got a got a devil chasing you? 
You got a harassing demon on your, on your heels. And some people get them, guys. Just can't seem to get, you know, can't the job thing. I mean, every time you turn around, it's a new job, new job, new job, new job. One after another, one after another one. Come on. There's a way to break the cycle. Worship. Worship. Praise. Me and God. Not anything, Lord, that I can't face with you. I can do it with you. I maybe can on my own, but I'm not on my own. Thank God you hear me. And I worship you. And I thank you that you always hear me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. That's what we're talking about here. You find in Deuteronomy 26, verse number 9, And He brought us into this place and has given us this land, even a land that flows with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land. That's an offering. Which thou, O Lord, hath given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. So we bring our offering to the Lord as worship. It's not ritual in church. It's actual worship that we bring to the Lord. I'm talking about atmospheres that God works in. You need to help with your checkbook. That's about as direct as you can get it. I worship God with what I bring to Him. Your offering, your tithes, your, what you bring to the Lord and place on the altar of God represents everything about you. Your life presents your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What did it take to get that offering? Your time, your talents, your energy. Your education, years of the past that have made you capable of walking in the job that you walk in now. That's all on that altar. The years that the locusts and cankerworm have eaten, it's all on that altar. Every bit of it. Your future, your present, your right now, your peace of mind, your satisfaction, your happiness. You need a new house. Well, you don't know today's housing market. I know God. I don't have to know all that other. I don't have to know all that. Well, you're standing there pumping that $5 a gallon liquid gold in the tank. And you know what y'all say? Thank God I've got it. <laughs> Fill it up. They can't get you down because you're too busy going over. Well, if we had a different president, well, if we, you are where you are. Praise God where you are. Amen. 
and you watch and see what he'll do for you. Amen. So I brought the first fruit of the land, and I worship before the Lord my God, and thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee, and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you. So you just rejoice over every good thing God's done. Well, I'm concerned about what my 401k is doing, and I'm concerned about the market. Just thank God for what you got. Amen. I remember when I didn't have a 401k. That's a whole lot worse. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for what you have. That's what he said. First Chronicles 16, verse 27. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in this place. Give unto the Lord, you kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And listen. And bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Now I'm talking about atmospheres that God works in. Worship and praise is the atmosphere that God works in. You worship God with your stuff. And you see what God will do for you. God will do things for you that you can't even imagine. In the Gospels, we find a, a very, very important and interesting concept. Jesus, when he went to his own hometown of Nazareth, the Bible says he could there do no mighty works because of the conditions that he found in that place. And so God could not move. Jesus is an expression of the will of the Father. So God cannot move in an atmosphere where he's unwelcome unwanted, where he's pushed away, and all the things that go along with rejection in whatever form that may take. And we find because God works in atmospheres, there's certain things that we can do to create an atmosphere where he does work. And one of the things that he said in his word, he said, I will inhabit the praises of my people. And so when we bring to God an attitude of praise, when we bring to Him an attitude of worship in church, intentionally on purpose, we give Him an atmosphere where He's invited, where He's welcome, where He's allowed to do what He chooses to do. Not a harsh atmosphere that pushes Him away, but an atmosphere that allows Him to do what He wants to do. And praise creates not only praise, but Praise is a big part of creating an atmosphere in which God will work. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that, and you need to do it today. Pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I take you right now as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you, to serve you today and forever. Sin, Satan, I don't serve you. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Get in a church that has an atmosphere of praise that welcomes the presence of God. God bless you. See you next time. If your whole life could be summed up in just one verse of the Bible, would you want to know what that verse is? In this stirring message, Dr. Ed King dives into a deep revelation of Philippians 4.13. There's significant meaning found in each and every word, all of which applies to your life and purpose. 
To receive this message as a downloadable MP3 for $3 or on CD for $7, please visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. Discover all that God has for you, the destiny He has in store, and how you can tap into it with this one verse.